Vix the Convince. Welcome to the Vix the Convince podcast. Here's your host, NewSpark founder, Paul Mosenson. Greetings out there. It's Paul Mosenson. Fix the Convince marketing optimization podcast. How's it going out there today? How's your website working? We're going to talk about that today. Generating enough leads, doing testing. We've heard all about that before, right? Well, maybe not as uh, robust as what my guest does today in his company, Funnel Envy. This is going to be a little technical, but very important podcast about revenue optimization. And that's what we're talking about. So my guest is, and he's going to help me pronounce his name. All right. So Arun. Arun Sivashankaran. Say that three times fast. Arun. <laughs> Arun Sivashankaran, Sivashankaran, Sivashankaran. I've had to do it for a long time. Yeah, he said it for quite a while. Um, right. I, th- I thought Mosenson was tough to pronounce. <laughs> anyway, um, well, thanks for joining me today. And uh, we're going to have a great conversation. Um, you know, things that people may not think about as much, especially in uh, you know, larger B2B firms that are doing everything they can to uh, optimize their performance. And, uh, and that's what you do. Yeah, so, thanks, Paul. Happy to be here. Sure, sure. So more about you and your company. It's FunnelEnvy.com. Uh, nobody chuckle out there. FunnelEnvy.com. He's the founder of that, and he's the provider of website revenue optimization services and technology for B2B and demand generation marketers. Arun is an engineer who fell in love with data-driven marketing, and together with his team has helped fast-growing startups and large enterprises generate millions more, mm, millions, in incremental pipeline and revenue from their existing website traffic. He speaks at numerous industry events and has been featured in guest interviews and podcasts over the years. Outside of work, he enjoys life in the Bay Area with his wife and two kids. He's a long-suffering Cleveland sports fan. <laughs> well, you got LeBron a few years ago, so that was good, but the Indians are another story in the Browns. <laughs> that's, a, that's a separate conversation. It is, it is, it is, and his, his, uh, and now the epitome of his career, the podcast with me. So, um, so here's, I got a number of questions for you. So, are you ready to go? Let's do it. Okay. So, I know when we met years ago, we focused on like con- just conversion optimization as the buzzword, but now you've expanded that, expanded that, and you focus more on revenue optimization. Can you describe that transformation on your focus now? Sure. Yeah, so you know when we when we started out as a company, um, it, it really was conversion optimization, conversion rate optimization, as it's typically known. Uh, working with you know digital companies and, and running a lot of experiments or A/B tests on their site, uh, using data to try to uh, improve the user experience and and, and ultimately you know, drive more conversions. We've evolved uh, as a company and, and focused on what we think is an underserved niche, which is the, the B2B marketer, the demand gen marketer. Um, and unfortunately for them, conversion optimization um, has, has historically been only focused on uh, driving leads at the top of the funnel. Um, the problem with that uh, is, you know, our customers have, uh, you know, customer journeys. Um, you know, they're in, in, in enterprise demand generation. The visitor to the website doesn't convert to revenue on their first visit. It's not like an e-commerce site. Uh, and they care about what happens, you know, down the funnel. Uh, and their, their, their KPIs are, are pipeline revenue, you know, things, things that are sort of aligned ultimately with uh, the sales team and with revenue. So 
uh, when we when we talk about revenue optimization, you know, we're focused not only on uh, what the website can do to generate more top of the funnel leads, uh, but what the web the, the website's role in actually driving pipeline and revenue. Those 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 key you know go to market uh, metrics that that the uh, that the entire organization cares about, um, and 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 that's far more relevant uh, to our customers, and it's also like a harder problem than um, in in many ways than uh, a very transactional consumer site like an e-commerce site, uh, because you've got to optimize not only for um, you know those visitors to the website at the top of the funnel, but you've got to think about them in terms of you know every stage of the buying journey from awareness, consideration, interest, decision, all the way down. Um, because, you know, as, as, as many of our customers know, just because you push, you know, 20%, 30% more leads into the top of the funnel doesn't mean you see, you know, the same amount of pipeline and revenue being generated. So you really, you know, our focus is really, how do we use uh, the website and how do we take a static website and actually make it sort of more responsive to um, all of the stages in the, in the buying journey. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to warn you, I have spontaneous questions and some sure. are coming to my mind right now. <laughs> so, because I talk a lot about buyer's journey optimization in my uh, practice and it includes conversion optimization, right? And, and things like that and revenue generation. So the thing is, is there's a technical side and there's like a, a human emotional side, mm -hmm. you know, because people are emotional, right? And I don't know if you look into that as much, but you know, it's one thing about you know, again, I'm just talking to the audience here in general, like button positioning or something or forms. But then there's also like the content, the trust, um, and all those other factors built into the difference between, um, you know, converting and leaving. Do you want to touch base on that? And um, absolutely, because you're 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 100% right. There's a technical component, and there's also a strategy and marketing uh, component of it. So, you know, on the latter point, we've, and we've run over the years, thousands and thousands of, of, of website experiments. And what we've seen time and time again for, for our customers, again, who have uh, longer sales cycles, uh, have sort of prolonged decisions that are being made on the, on the buying journey, the key factor that kind of influences um, the the customer's journey and sort of accelerates that is actually the offer that's being put in front of the that that visitor. So when I say offer, I mean, you know, think about the the various tools that the marketer has to sort of engage and uh, and move a, a a customer along the buying journey. Uh, in B two B, that's you know content that is you know maybe a free uh, demo that is uh, join a webinar. Uh, that is, you know, talk to sales, all of those things that you're using to exchange value for value. Um, so that's, that's what we, that's fundamentally, that's what we recommend. And that's what we help our customers focus on is based on the buying stage of the visitor, position the best offer in front of them. Uh, a lot of times uh, B2B websites will kind of throw everything in the kitchen sink out there because they're think, still thinking of static experiences. So you'll see, you know, request a demo, you'll see free trial, you'll see talk to sales, you'll see, you know, all of these different options on the website. And ultimately, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't really factor in the, the customer's intent and where they are in that journey. So if you can do that, if you, if you know that that visitor's already seen, uh, already seen the, the, the video, has already joined the webinar, uh, and, and, and you, can, you can sort of identify what their intent is and maybe say, hey, you're ready to talk to sales now. You're in a, you're in a sort of buying stage, uh, as opposed to maybe that first time visitor who needs to consume content. So, you know, for, for, for customers, for, for websites that have 
that are more transactional, that have a ton of traffic. Um, you can look at things like button color and positioning and that sort of stuff. But really in B2B, when there's a, a buying journey, time and time again, we see that uh, the, the offer or the next best action is, is, is really what you're trying to optimize for and aligning that to the customer's intent based on buying stage. Well, it'll be your first time to a website. Now, let me ask you this. Um, <laughs> there's the traditional B2B, like you mentioned, free trial, if it's software, but there's also the smaller companies and you see them all the time pricing in three tiers, four tiers, that kind of thing. Is that something you can sort on too? Like, hey, we should have a free, then, um, you know, like the pricing and, you, and that could be tested as far as those kinds of things. I'm just asking about how these companies determine their prices by the, the packages. You certainly can test on that. There are some caveats and nuances with respect to like price testing. You sometimes you don't want to get into a situation where you're showing, uh, you know, one visitor one price and then another visitor another price, and you know that that can that can result in a you know customer support nightmare and 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 you know bad situation. But you can test longitudinally pricing and and, and ultimately see what maximizes revenue and profitability. Um, certainly the other thing you can, you can test is the positioning of that pricing, how you actually articulate those tiers. Um, whether you use, you know, silver, gold, platinum, uh, professional enterprise, you know, custom, all of that sort of thing that, that actually often has a, um, significant impact on, you know, the conversion, um, and, and also, you know, ultimately the, the revenue because, um, you're, you're helping the, the faster you can help a customer or a visitor who's in a who's in who's showing high intent to purchase um understand what tier they fit into um and have it fit their sort of conceptual model of of their needs as a as a as an individual and as a business the the the, the better you're going to sort of generate um generate sort of conversion and the less confusion uh, on behalf of the visitor so we do we do get into that um and and specifically and often for like SaaS uh, type of companies that have um, some self-serve kind of motion in their, in their revenue cycle. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's a little bit of a sidebar, but I just think about my own experiences of the, the models of price tiers, as you mentioned, versus free trial for everything. And then you have to pay, right. You know, yep. and because obviously the, the low cost one said the one key feature I really want, I have to pay for. Right. So gotcha. But you know, that's yeah, but, but even, even in those types of businesses and those types of scenarios, recognize that you still have uh, stages in the, in the journey. So, you know, we ran a really successful um, campaign with Envision, actually, who has a free tier. Yeah, um, yeah. Where, you know, we, by, by because you can, you can think of stages not only, you know, up to the point of purchase, but even beyond that. So uh, visitors who are hitting the site who are already on the free tier, uh, we were able to position sort of an upgrade offer to them uh, that they didn't have to hunt around on the site for and say, hey, if you upgrade it to this tier, um, you know, you'll, you'll get these benefits out of it. And, you know, remove the friction of that upgrade uh, just by recognizing that they, were, that they were in that free tier stage of the journey and, and we could move them along faster. Um, so, you know, you, you don't have to treat, I mean, often, you know, if you, you, you can recognize if someone's already a customer uh, on the site, um, and treat them differently and not show them, you, it doesn't make any sense to show the request a demo CTA or offer to, to an existing customer, show them something that's an upgrade, right? And, and, and you'll see more upgrades. Yeah, for sure. To come back to Final Envy, uh, you've been around for a bit and, you know, 
conversion rate optimization, CRO, um, you're, you're again more about your transformation to revenue funnels, as you call it. Um, yeah, tell me about that and, and you know, that whole um, transition and, and why you went there. Sure. So, you know, as, as I mentioned, for, for years, um, we were a conversion rate optimization agency, uh, you know, growing quickly, delivered, you know, a ton of great results, um, specifically for the, for the more consumer sites out there, primarily e-commerce, travel, um, that kind of thing, because that's where uh, A-B testing uh, works well. You're kind of spreading, you know, um, UX improvements over a very large base, uh, all of which transact immediately on site. So you're able to see revenue very quickly. Um, over time, you know, we, we got introduced and, and we started bringing on more to B2B customers and, and to be honest, struggled with um, generating the same sort of revenue results uh, with them. And that's, that, that's really been the journey. It's like, how do we, uh, and the focus is how do we actually generate these kind of revenue results um, using uh, testing and experimentation and data in the same way that we were able to for, um, for consumer companies. So you know, through the course of that kind of realized that uh, we had to address the entire uh, revenue journey and we had to optimize for the metrics that B2B marketers care about, um, which was, which is ultimately, you know, things like pipeline and revenue. Um, and so that was ultimately what led to the, the sort of revenue funnel approach, which really focuses on, you know, thinking about those, about those visitors uh, in terms of buying stages and also really focusing on the, on the offer. Um, that, that we're delivering at each buying stage. Uh, and so that required that, you know, we evolve not only our services to, to really be very sort of laser focused on, on that kind of playbook, uh, but also that we, we bring technology to the party and, 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 and develop technology that would kind of integrate the data sources, marketing automation, CRM, to be able to both measure and target by buying stage and for those, for those down funnel outcomes. Wow. Well, it's pretty compelling for sure. So if you're like, let's say you're, I know what thing is going on in the world, but people have Zoom calls, but th there is um, the issue of how do we, um, uh, what's going on at our company? How do we improve? We're always looking to optimize, you know, whether you're internal marketers, CMOs is, I mean, part of your job is what can we do better? And, and then they can try things in house. They can talk to their designers. What happens, trigger events or other circumstances that say we need to go outside to look at our problem and try to fix it? Sure. So, you know, at the end of the day, the problem that we're solving is uh, conversion to revenue, conversion to pipeline or conversion to revenue uh, for our customers. That's a simple way to look at it. Um, now, to solve that problem, um, because we deal with primarily, you know, mid-market to enterprise uh, type of companies, everyone's doing marketing automation and email, right? And they're segmenting that email and they're, you know, driving more campaigns um, and, 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 and doing a, a pretty good job of that, right? Where, where we really see the opportunity and, and the big revenue lever is on the website, because even if you're doing a ton of stuff uh, on email and, 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 and are doing things like, like buyer stage segmentation and, you know, delivering better offers over email, you're still bringing everyone back to that same, same static website. Um, and all of the, all of the roads ultimately go through the website. And so if we're able to, you know, um, evolve the website from this very static experience, which doesn't respond to customer needs to something that's more aligned with 
um, the type of journey that you're reflecting in the email, that's ultimately where, where we think um, marketers are going to get the most bang for the buck. So people will look for us when um, they're having, uh, they're having you know, conversion problems. They're running you know, top of the funnel, uh, plenty of top of the funnel campaigns. They're doing the marketing automation. They're still not getting the the you know conversion to revenue that they want, um, and you know they'll engage us to do that primarily through through the website. Mm-hmm. Well, that brings up another question in my head. <laughs> You're talking about like the revenue model, right? So it's after the lead is captured. So that's one part of it. So with marketing automation or even cadences, I know it's not an exact science, and I know people always ask about benchmarks and things like that. How deep do you get in the email marketing strategy? I mean, we think we, we always think we know best practices and stuff, um, you know, subject lines, offers, you know, days between email sub- deployments, you know, and also does sales give a call, you know, if the lead score goes up, you know, all those kinds of things. Do you really get involved with all that data and try to come up with models of which scenarios might have a higher lift of, uh, of positive replies and things like that? So, I mean, we, t- we tend to stay pretty focused on the website. There's a lot of great folks doing uh, email uh, marketing analysis and uh, a lot of good data points on, um, on, you know, things like subject lines and that sort of thing that you, you, you mentioned. Uh, I think where we're tied into the email strategy is at a little bit higher level, right? Oh, so okay. the, the, the marketing automation, for example, like we integrate, uh, Marketo is one of our primary integrations, typically reflects a lot of that uh, business relevant sort of segmentation and, and, and context um, that we, we integrate in. So we will integrate data in from the email platform for the purposes of um, of sort of appropriately segmenting and delivering real-time experiences on the site. But we're not necessarily getting into the um, getting into the details of like email campaigns, if that makes sense. And then one other one other note is, you know, for for us, obviously, because it's website, we're not we're not exclusively limited to post lead capture. We're 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 getting, you know, we're looking at anonymous traffic, known leads, as well as you know, sometimes even known customers, as I mentioned. Well, that's what I wanted to get into a little more. So that's why um, understanding the pipeline, right? Which is, you know, usually, you know, it goes through the MQL, SQL process, things like that, which is kind of an unusual practice for a company like yours. That's what I was trying to get into is understand, you know, it's that, you know, your pipeline strategy here to help companies, especially with models like that. Yeah. Um, I think it's important to understand why uh, why we do it. So to your point, uh, what, when we when we uh, when we optimize and when we work with customers, uh, we we talk a lot about you know MQLs uh, opportunities and revenue, which is very unusual for CRO companies. Right. We think it's necessary. Um, if you if you think about what happens in a B two B organization and the weekly marketing meetings with the CMO, they're looking at attribution. Right, they're looking at, at, at that kind of reports um, and, and, and those kind of numbers. And so talking about, you know, your statistically significant A-B test purely on, you know, uh, on-site outcomes, um, there's a gap. There's a, there's, a, there's a sort of cognitive dissonance because you might have a 30% lift based on form completes, but the CMO is going to ask you, how much pipeline did that actually generate? Because that's what I'm accountable for. Right. Uh, and so we have to be able to bridge that gap. And so one of the first things that we do is uh, is, is is attribution reporting. Right. We, is we set up, we'll actually pull the ops 
um, from Salesforce. We'll look at, we'll pull the MQLs, SQLs from marketing automation like Marketo and attribute you know, experiences that are on, on site that we're delivering to those down funnel outcomes. Look at pre and post, as well as the sort of traditional, you know, split testing outcomes as well, because we have to be able to speak about results and analyze results in the context that our customers are, are, are familiar with, which in B2B, in demand generation, is things like pipeline attribution. Yeah, I mean, more power to you to, to, to look at all these things because that's, uh, like I said, it, it's something that um, is so relevant, um, especially in B2B. Go through uh, some of the you know, high-level steps of preparing an optimization program that you do in general. Yeah, so, so this is the approach that, um, that we're, you know, we, we call revenue funnels. Um, and, and really, there are three stages. Um, and again, keeping in mind that this is, you know, when we're working with our uh, clients, which are uh, pretty much exclusively B2B, the first step is, you know, what we call revenue insights. So, you know, everyone's looking at their Google or Adobe analytics. Uh, but really, there's, uh, again, there's a gap between that and, you know, the revenue journey and the, 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 the KPIs that, that, you know, the marketing or the, the broader, you know, marketing and sales organization cares about. So what we'll do is actually bring data to Google Analytics from uh, Marketo, Salesforce, push, you know, uh, the opportunity pipeline there, push MQLs there, uh, and also segment by buyer stage. Um, so that rather than just looking at sort of vanity metrics in, in GA, you're actually, which are, you know, typically like bounce rate and, you know, pages per session and all of these kind of things, which ultimately, you know, are, are maybe good in isolation, but don't, don't have broader value, you're actually looking at how many opportunities were generated, uh, how much revenue was generated, what's the attribution model, and what are the key buyer sort of uh, segments and how are they engaging. So that's the first step, which is kind of setting up those revenue insights, again, in the context of your current analytics platform, but by sort of bringing more data to it. Um, second, second, second phase of uh, sort of the revenue funnel approach is optimizing your baseline offers. So again, keeping in mind that um, the we we've learned and we believe that the offer that that the that the um, that the website and the marketers putting out to that visitor is the most important thing. We'll we'll optimize. We'll initially optimize the baseline. So. Um, Often that ends up in B2B in, in a form, but there's a lot we can do with um, the way we position that offer and the form experience itself to, to make it more compelling. Uh, one of the recent learnings um, that, that seems to be kind of across the board effective is that you know, a more interactive experience, uh, if done right and done in a way that sort of engages that visitor and engages that customer uh, with multiple steps, performs much better than sort of your traditional form where, you know, the visitor feels like they have to offer up all of this PII and, and, and information. Um, ra rather than doing that, we, we often do these sort of interactive steps, which, which tend to do better. So, you know, optimizing the baseline offer, uh, but also because we've done step one, segmenting the results of those experiments by buyer stage leads to the third step, which is actually, you know, personalization and personalizing uh, the offers that we deliver by, by buyer stage. So, if someone is in the, you know, a top of the funnel kind of awareness stage, you, you, they're, they're kind of anonymous, you don't have them in marketing automation, show them the top of the funnel uh, content. But if they're 
um, already, you know, a, a known prospect with buying intent, you know, get them to the pricing page, get them to the sales form, get them to, you know, further down the funnel. And if they're already a customer, give them the upsell uh, experiences. So um, those are the three phases. You know, it starts with instrumentation, getting your analytics right in a way that's actually relevant to the business, uh, optimizing the baseline offers, and then personalizing, personalizing those offers. Yeah. I mean, in a, in a broad sense, I was talking about a little bit of retargeting in a way, you know, based on people's behavior on a website. You know, if, um, if I come once and I don't offer, make an offer or you can come back with a different offer, you know, to finish the deal, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, it's, it's a great analogy, actually, yeah. well, not to cut you off, but like, no, you know, that's okay. There's a lot of, there's a lot of intelligence that, that marketers do with retargeting campaigns. Just like you said, if, if they didn't convert on this offer, put them in another campaign. Or if they've already converted on one retargeting offer, uh, then you know, take them out of it and put them in, in the next campaign. The same intelligence can be applied to the website. Uh, and so that's what we're really talking about is, is just don't, don't just put a static sort of brochure out there in front of them. Actually use the data that you already have in your business to not only drive your retargeting campaigns, to not only drive your marketing automation, but also, you know, drive your website to be more relevant. Yeah. I actually challenge insurance clients I have, right, with um, that scenario, right, of um, if somebody goes to a site and commits and, request, and fills out a quote, you don't need to retarget them with get a quote, right? I'm just saying, you know, like now it's apply now, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I'm circling back to attribution for a minute. I'm glad we're bringing that up a few times because I think it's something that is there and analytics has betas and, and, and Google AdWords even and all this. And, you know, we're trying to give credit to first click, mid click, last click, right? I understand that, right? Because I know with marketing automation, you know, they come in with the uh, possibly the, the source of the lead, the first click where analytics tracks last click and sometimes they don't match. And, you know, I guess that's a little bit of science in its own way is to when you do your, your work is to understand, you know, the modeling of a customer journey and, and how to convert them based on, um, you know, the, the, where they are and how they uh, got there and, and what steps. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it does. I, and it's hard, right? Attribution uh, is, 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 is hard and imperfect. And, and we should admit that right out of the gate, because uh, just like, you know, understanding the results of an A-B test, it's an exercise in trying to determine causality. And determining causality is very, very hard. Um, at the same time, it's, it's essential uh, for, for, for us as marketers, uh, data-driven marketers, to try to do that um, so we can learn um, and so we can sort of apply those learnings in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So you guys have done a lot of great work. Anything you want to spotlight on um, just real quickly on some of the results you've given? Yeah, I mean, I, I mentioned one of the uh, one of the uh, types of campaigns that we ran with uh, with Envision, uh, where we were, you know, promote where we were uh, driving more uh, free trials into into paid and, and upgrades. Uh, we've done, you know, we've done uh, a lot of campaigns. In in that case, that's a sort of self service uh, upgrade type of model. We've done campaigns for. Uh, companies like Tipco, which is more traditional demand generation, where uh, we're, we're actually segmenting the experiences and delivering experiences based on persona. So a lot of times you'll have maybe, you know, a, a product that you're uh, marketing on site, but you'll have different personas that, um, that have different sort of value propositions. And we were trying to position slightly different uh, features uh, to, um, and, you know, because we're able to bring 
uh, sort of marketing automation and, and CRM data to the party, um, not only can we sort of segment based on um, based on the buyer stage, but we can also look at uh, different personas. So in that case, we, we looked at, uh, it's a technical product, so someone that was actually a developer versus a, a product manager and delivered them differentiated offers on that product page. And I think that led to about a 50, 60% uh, increase in, in, in MQLs. So, um, you know, we, we, we do a lot of uh, those kind of things as well. Well, that's always a challenge anyway, it's personalization. We mentioned that before. Um, you know, we always talk about even in marketing, you know, marketing 101 is what's in it for me mm -hmm. and talk to me. And if you have different audiences, we understand that sometimes the needs are different based on that audience. And sometimes that's a challenge with website copy unless you create separate landing pages and things like that. Um, you know, when you set up tests and everything, of course, data is really big. and. How much data do you need to get started? Do you look at stuff and say, this is not enough data here, or is there like any kind of benchmarks? Do you kind of evaluate and say, okay, here's a good place to start? Do you wanna talk about that real quick? Sure, yeah, so it's a, it's a tough question to answer in the hypothetical. Certainly we'll get into the analytics and try to understand, you know, is there sufficient data for us to, uh, to, to try to sort of ascertain causality, right? Because that's, that's what we're trying to do. Um, that being said, uh, it's, it's not necessarily exclusively about getting statistically significant results with every test. Um, a lot of times there are just common sense use cases uh, that, that we can execute on that I think even if, the, even if there is an overwhelming evidence um, for a causality, just kind of makes sense to the business. So that goes back to the examples that I talked about, which is like anonymous visitor, known lead, or customer, right? Even if you think of those three uh, use cases, which everyone in the organization can understand, right? From the CEO to an intern uh, understands those, those different buckets. Uh, then you can reason about different experiences that you might want to show. It just doesn't make sense to show, you know, the talk to sales or, 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 or you know, get a, get a top of the funnel experience to an existing customer. You'd want to show them something different. And in that kind of case, we can, even with low data, we can um, deliver a lot of those common sense things that you might even do with retargeting uh, and and you know and sort of intuit that it's a that it's a that's a better experience obviously if we have more data then we can get more sort of granular with it so the strategy is going to be often dictated by the amount of data with less data you can take bigger swings and more common sense swings with more data and more volume you can get a little bit more uh, more granular. Um, also, you know, this, this also ties back to the sort of attribution question. Um, if you're delivering different experiences by stage in the buyer journey, it, it doesn't always make sense to look exclusively at an A-B test result in, in isolation, because that's only going to give you that sort of point in time interaction. You want to look longitudinally across the entire buyer journey at a set of interactions and a set of, um, and, and, and multiple campaigns that you're running on site to evaluate, you know, the impact of multiple treatments across that journey. So uh, that, that again is where, you know, you, you, you might have a longer span of time um, than you would in like a, a consumer A-B test where you're just looking at what's the impact of that point experience. Itching how you, you explain that with the, the time frames and things like that. And I'm just saying I've had clients who um, we might average do a campaign in just maybe a day or two and said, okay, let's change it up. You know, and actually, you know, so from a, in your opinion, I know you don't do much with e-commerce, things like that, but um, you know, sometimes you pull the plug too quick or sometimes you want to let to go and learn and optimize versus 
being premature to change it or all of a sudden, you know, I mean, I guess everybody treats it differently, but I'm just curious in your opinion on, um, you know, when that point is to start optimizing and when you have enough data and when do you, um, you know, make those decisions of, of um, you know, changing things up a little bit versus letting data show. Because some people are obviously will make more rash decisions or quicker than other ones without letting, giving it time to optimize. I mean, I don't know. What do you think about that as far as, um, you know, a process? I guess it varies by the company. It, it, it does, but it's, it's, it's still a very useful question. And, and we, we have done a lot of e-commerce uh, optimization in our past. So yeah. Uh, I, I think so. yeah. I think the first the first uh, the first thing you want to ask yourself is when is the right time to be starting with the testing program uh, and a website optimization program because again you know let's 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 be honest with ourselves here it comes with costs right it's it's it, it requires people resources and often tech to run those tests and interpret the results and and do that versus just changing stuff on your site. Um, so what is the right time to even engage with this as a practice? Really, I, I, I recommend people answer that with, you know, ROI. Um, so if you're an early stage startup, uh, typically your higher ROI is actually on the acquisition side, um, just getting the right people to the site. Um, because, you know, the incremental dollar that you put into that is probably going to outweigh the incremental dollar that you put into optimization, um, you know, further down funnel. Uh, however, you, you know, People, you know, marketers kind of uh, build up their acquisition programs and then at some point realize, hey, we're spending all this money on acquisition and we're not getting the conversion uh, that we want. And at that point, there's often, you know, the, the, the equation tips uh, and you, you know, you really need to start thinking about how you actually drive uh, more pipeline. There's no, there's no perfect sort of point at which that happens, but it's really where, where the marginal dollar goes and what the ROI is. Anyway, that's the high level question of when you sort of start the program. In terms of the secondary question of like when you call tests, um, it, it still depends, right? Things, you know, there is no gospel to uh, statistical significance indicators. People think, oh, 95 is, uh, 95, you know, uh, percent probability is like when it's absolutely true and it's a binary thing. If it's 94, it's not. If it's 96, it is. That's not true, right? It's, it's, uh, it's indicative of the level of confidence um, of, of, you know, the, of it not being due to chance. Uh, so it, it's, it's informative as to the results. Uh, but again, it does require that you apply sort of your own uh, interpretation to that, that you probably properly like look at the data, uh, eliminate, you know, other effects. Uh, you have run it for a long, a period, long enough period of time to sort of eliminate any fluctuation in the data weekend versus weekday effect. Um, so there's no sort of magic uh, equation or number, uh, even with things like, you know, statistical significance indicators, because you do have to apply, um, you know, intuition, intelligence, and, analy and analytical skills to be confident in those numbers. Mm -hmm. Or just guess. Or just guess. <laughs> and sometimes just guessing. Sometimes, again, we go back to those common sense scenarios. If, if someone has already requested a demo and they're coming back to the site the next day, can you show them something better than request a demo? And, that, and, and, and for a lot of people, that's just common sense. Uh, that's moving moving people through the journey, and you may not need you know massive statistical significance on that. Yeah, you know, it's actually uh, just it's a sidebar, you know, in marketing, especially with the experience that we have. You know, we can be data driven as much as possible and let numbers, numbers, numbers. But sometimes it's a little bit of art and gut, a little bit, 
intermix with the science, right, to make decisions. Yep, absolutely. And like, like, like you mentioned at the top, I'm an engineer, so I love numbers. But at the same time, I've really come to appreciate the art and gut that, that uh, I think good marketers bring to the table. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I've used Google Optimize. You know, it's a pretty robust tool, free. <laughs> but um, what's your thoughts on that and how do you compare? Yeah, we love Google Optimize. Um, in fact, that's what we recommend our customers use for the purposes of, of delivering those experiences on site. I mean, you know, you can also use, uh, you know, other tools, Adobe Target, Optimizely, you know, whatever. But Google Optimize is great for all the reasons that you just said. It's free. Um, it's really come a long way in the last few years. Uh, it integrates well with Google Analytics, which is what, you know, most, most folks out there are, are, are using to look at their website data. Uh, the only problem is it's, um, you're, you're, in terms of like measuring outcomes, you're only, you're only able to really look by default at um, the goals in Google Analytics, which are primarily website goals. And in the case of B2B, that's, you know, form completions, that's engagement with content, et cetera, and not, you know, the, the MQLs, the pipeline and the revenue uh, that's generated. So, you know, we, we recommend using Google Optimize, uh, you know, if you don't have anything else to start out with, with, with you know, changing the site and changing experiences and running tests. Uh, but at the same time, we can bring that data to Google Analytics uh, to measure those down funnel outcomes. And we can also bring data for targeting to Google Optimize. Uh, so if you want to target your uh, known leads, if you want to target your existing customers, if you want to target your uh, top of the funnel or personas or you know, uh, accounts, um, that's, that's, that's a data integration problem that we can actually bring to Google Optimize and Google Analytics um, to effectively close the gap between what are largely sort of B2C tools to make them work for a, a B2B um, and, and, and B2B buyer journey. Yeah, you obviously, uh, speaking of integration, you do integrate with most of the marketing automation and CRMs out there. I mean, primarily our main focus right now is uh, the Salesforce Marketo stack. Salesforce is, you know, what, what most everyone uses for CRM, obviously. Uh, and, you know, we have, we're partners with uh, Adobe and Marketo, um, and a lot of our customers use that. Um, that doesn't mean it's exclusive. We, we also have customers with Pardot uh, and Eloqua, so we can, we can tie into those uh, marketing mm -hmm. automations. But you are, um, so, I mean, it's, this is great stuff here, but, but do you communicate to people that you're a platform or you provide services and like, or a combination? What's, yeah, what's it's, it's a combination. So we've, I, I think we talked about the journey and the evolution from conversion optimization to uh, sort of revenue funnel optimization. And part of that has been the learning that we actually can't be exclusively one or the other. Um, you know, delivering technology alone that integrates these things has proven to be insufficient um, because because we've come with a lot of learnings on the services side about, um, you know, targeting by stage, uh, about, you know, how to optimize offers and, 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 and do that. And, and ultimately, customers want results quickly. So uh, really, you know, the way we talk about it and the way we position it to customers is a combined uh, services and technology offering that integrates with their existing MarTech stack. Um, so by, by, by bringing the data to the Google optimized Google Analytics uh, and by bringing our strategy and ability to execute on, you know, high impact campaigns that align to the B2B buying journey. Um, when, we, when we bring the two together as a solution, you know, we can, we can get them up and running and, and, and see ROI in 90 days. And, and that's what we'd like to shoot for. Great. 
We mentioned earlier that you target startups as well as established enterprises. Um, I guess each side must have its own challenges. Do you want to touch base on that? Sure. So, you know, with, with a startup, um, I mean, obviously we're assuming that post product market fit. So typically like a growth stage startup, um, that's already bringing the right kind of traffic into the, into the, to the site. So assuming that's in place, then typically the most important thing for, for that kind of organization and those kind of marketers is speed um, and getting, you know, getting results as fast, as fast as possible because they'll have really sort of aggressive growth targets. Um, and typically the biggest constraint is resources. So um, in that environment, uh, you know, we have a playbook. We have a 90 day playbook um, from, you know, instrumenting the analytics, uh, optimizing the baseline offers and running the personalization, um, 90 days services in tech. And, and, and uh, again, we're, we're trying to move as fast as possible. Um, and in that kind of environment, you can, because, you know, they're, they're typically uh, low bureaucracy, um, you know, one or two stakeholders uh, who are incented for, for speed. Mm-hmm. Um, on the flip side, uh, we do also work with enterprise customers and, you uh, Often that that 90 day playbook uh, either goes out the window or changes uh, significantly because in in the enterprise, you've got, you know, a lot of stakeholders um, uh, from, you know, the brand team, the the IT, uh, marketing, demand gen, you you name it. And and they all have they all have perspective and opinions on the site. So for, for them, a lot of times it's about that site kind of consensus building, but doing so in a way that isn't going to constrain your long-term optimization activities. Often sort of bureaucracy and paralysis by analysis are the enemies of, of effective optimization because you want to be able to move with some velocity. You want to be able to take risks. Uh, and, you know, the more stakeholders you have, you know, often, you know, risk taking goes down. Um, so when we start with a with an enterprise customer, it's often like, you know, let's build a strategy, the processes, et cetera, such that, you know, over the period of, of, you know, three to six to 12 months, we can have an effective optimization program that has the right governance and and oversight, but is also empowered to move quickly and generate results. All right, so um, does everybody get that out there? I do. Um, It's really important. So when all is said and done, how do we get started and what's the uh, um, really the process to um, get this thing cooking? Yeah, so in terms of working with us, if you, if you think about uh, that, that growth stage startup, um, it's really that sort of you need to commit to 90 days, right? Um, and then you need uh, typically, you know, we need a strong demand gen leader. Um, someone who understands, you know, uh, how pipeline and revenue is generated from top of the funnel through the bottom of the funnel, uh, and often and often some marketing ops coordination um, to, you know, help us tie in the data sources and and be able to measure the right outcomes and do the right um, segmentation. And and with that and with a commitment to the plan, you know, we're we're off and running. Um, enterprise is a little bit harder to answer because uh, each situation is different. Often we see in the enterprise that they've maybe taken some cracks at optimization, but haven't really been able to get a successful program off the ground. So really, uh, initially, we're often engaged to help solve the organizational challenge first. What's the, you know, what does the team look like? What is the, what does the roadmap look like? What does the strategy look like? And what is the process from sort of concept of an, of a, of an experiment you want to run to, uh, you know, ultimately results in analysis. Um, just getting that process established, getting that roadmap established can often take three to six months before you've got the solid foundation of a program that then, you know, can, can, you know, be self-sufficient within the organization. 
Great stuff. FunnelEnvy.com. So here's the thing, everybody. I'm just being high level here. You know how it is. You have a website, a designer, a developer, wireframe, people, all stakeholders. That looks good. You know, let's build a form. Let's build marketing automation forms or whatever tool you have, right? And what offers do we do? Let's do buyer persona research. Let's do content. Let's do all this stuff. And this is what they need. What, I mean, whatever your model is, right? At the end of the day, you always ask the question, is it working? Is it working, right? Uh, we think it is. Can you do better? Like, you know what I mean? Like sometimes there's no benchmark and you do something. People always ask, all right, we just spent five grand on a white paper, whatever you did, all this marketing on it. How did it do? How did it do? Right. You know, and so these are the questions marketers grapple with. Well, it's in the funnel somewhere. We saw that like 20% of buyers actually downloaded that white paper versus 10% of this one. Oh, okay. So maybe if we keep moving content on that 20%, whatever it is, right. You, you know, like I said, it's a lot of analysis here of, um, you know, content trust and all these other things about, um, you know, I, mean, I think that's the big picture we're talking about here is um, how do we get better? Is it worth uh, hiring a company like Final Envy to make our process better? You know, what's the ROI? And then you worked all that out. Well, you know, here's our fees, here's our platform, here's our expectation. And, uh, you know, and, you know, at the end of the day, it's going to work. It's just a matter of just trusting the process, I guess, and, um, and believing that there is opportunity. And that's really what it is. You have opportunity to grow, especially in, in this environment where leads are, and sales are a little tougher to come by that you want to do everything you can. And I always talk about this with clients. Really, I mean, the first goal of any digital marketing strategy is get on the short list. Message, you know, what do you offer? All those kinds of things. And then, on, you know, that's the first step. And, you know, a lot of times after that, it's a lot of times it's the quality of the salespeople, you know, mm -hmm. how they qualify um, their prospects and how they close. Um, that's an X factor, of course. And all we're trying to do is generate as much quality leads as possible, um, efficiently as possible with uh, compelling offers um, that, you know, are relevant to the buyer's needs at the end of the day. Yep. So Final Envy, check it out. FinalEnvy.com. This is uh, my guest. Thanks for joining me, Arun. Sivashankaran. Gotcha. I'm going to get you there, Paul. One of these days. Well, it took it took me ten years to pronounce Arnold Schwarzenegger, so um, it does take a while. But um, but great stuff. Um, you know, uh, this is um, just something to think about. You know, it's all about optimizing your revenue, big picture, and um, think about it. So uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Paul Mosenson, Mark New Spark Consulting, Fixed the Convince. Um, look forward to uh, another podcast shortly. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to get more marketing optimization insights. Fix the convince.